There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings-on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Billy Podcast. True crime, haunted history, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome, Welcome to, to Twisted, Twisted Billy. Billy. Hey, Twisters, what up? Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. It's kind of nice that Hanukkah is the same time as Christmas this year. And I'm very sorry to all the listeners who celebrate Hanukkah that every mall and store in this country is covered in red and green and not as much beautiful blue and silver. So here is my holiday gift to you, a Christmas Day episode. Whether you celebrate a religious holiday or not, I hope you're all having a great day with family or friends or whomever you wish to spend time with on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Man, I gotta say, it was nice this year, not rushing around wondering, who do we have to buy for? What am I going to buy for so-and-so? They know I love them, whether or not there's a gift in a bag, and as much as I've appreciated the gifts I've gotten over the years and enjoyed hunting for something special for someone, it was nicer to donate to others and take more time this year to have experiences. Like Cozier's Christmas Village, all the lights and the holiday spots downtown in Philly, plus just driving around, looking at people's decorated houses. It's been chill. It's been relaxing. It's been so very nice. Yeah, we had a couple of little things between my daughter and I and for my mom. But for the most part, it's just been, let's sit back and enjoy the season. So what is this episode about? If you saw my episode teaser this week, I didn't tell you what it was about. Is it true crime? Is it some haunted history or a weird, twisted holiday Philly legend? Or maybe is it New Year's Eve activities and happenings in Philly? Uh, that would be no. Nope. Nada. This episode is twisted, but it has very little to do with Philly, other than the fact that your host, moi, is in Philly. One of my most favorite activities this time of year, besides all the events and spots I mentioned in our Holiday Happenings episode, is to watch horror movies. Christmas horror movies, especially. Yeah, I have loads of favorite Christmas movies, but everybody talks about those. I want to talk about my favorite Christmas horror movies. So before you guys give me some shit like, wait, this isn't a movie podcast, what are you doing? You're right, this isn't a movie podcast. But I can't think of anything more twisted than films that take what many consider to be the most wonderful, magical time of year and blend that shit with blood and guts and monsters and gore. The juxtaposition of the two, like beautiful jolly old man in a red suit and an axe or a creepy old Christmas legend that grows legs and becomes more than a fairy tale, Mmm, that's delicious. It's like a big old plate of Christmas cookies for me. Which, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen that I've been a baking fool this week. Yes, I bake, and I say fuck a lot. I am a complex woman. Before we jump into the mistletoe and murder, let's give out some Christmas what-ups. Twisted Philly picked up a few new reviews on iTunes, Cat7277, who just binged listened to three months worth of episodes. Yo, that's commitment. The fact that you think I have a voice for radio makes me smile so much because, you know, the Philly accent. Next time you have a layover in Philly, let me know and extend that shit and we'll make a day of it. History Goes Bump, thank you for your review. That's actually a Haunted History podcast. 
one that I just discovered last month, but I have to tell you, I have very quickly become a huge fan. Thank you so much for listening and taking the time to leave a review. I've also been invited to co-host with them in the new year, and I'm super excited about that because their podcast is awesome, and I cannot wait. The Real Bill C? Okay, Real Bill C. Are you really the Real Bill C, as in Hillary's husband, or are you just trying to get people to think you're the Real Bill C? Either way, thank you for taking the time to leave a review. I'm so glad you're enjoying Twisted Philly. I know not everyone listens to podcasts on the iTunes podcast app, and Twisted Philly is on so many different platforms. We're on Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, but I'm not going to lie. iTunes ratings and reviews make a difference, and so do subscribers. So if you listen, but you haven't subscribed, do me a solid if you're listening on iTunes and subscribe. It helps you because that way you never miss an episode and it helps other people find the show because as subscriptions grow, podcasts can land in the top 150 shows for their category. And hell, let's be honest, it helps Twisted Philly too. It's a win-win-win for all of us. Okay, sometimes I feel like a dick asking people to subscribe and review, but I want to keep the show going. And honestly, you guys know my plan is to eventually make this a full-time gig, writing and podcasting. So that's why I take the time to call out each and every listener who leaves a review because I truly appreciate the time that you take to share your thoughts. And you guys are all so thoughtful and complimentary, which still just blows me away. Speaking of writing, I've got a short story up on Amazon. The title is Cat Sitting. It's creepy. Trust me, it's creepy. I've got another short I'm releasing for my December Patreon supporters. After December 31st, all of our December Patreon supporters will be sent a copywritten digital copy of one of my short stories. If you're a Patreon supporter, you're going to get access to my writing much earlier than the general public because I'm delaying publishing on Amazon to give it to my Patreon supporters first. The story our December Patreon supporters will receive in January is called Stalking Stewart. It is a twisted, funny, dark, scary holiday tale. And what else would you expect from somebody like me? January Patreon supporters will receive a story called Hoiser. It's a suspense tale that haunts the reader with an intense and fast pace. I haven't yet decided which story I'll release for February Patreon supporters. So for just five bucks, you get an original work of fiction in addition to supporting the Twisted Philly podcast. You're helping me fund equipment, or I should say pay off, the Blue Yeti mic I recently bought. You're helping fund production costs, ticket and event expenses so I can keep visiting cool places and telling you all about them, as well as research expenses because as much as you and I might think it should be free to read articles from the Philadelphia Inquirer that are like between 20 and 100 years old, it isn't. You have to pay for that shit. And if you can't donate five bucks, I'm appreciative of any Patreon contribution I receive. I'm now done with the shameless plugs. So on to the tales of tinsel and terror, jingle bells and jacked up boxes, murder mayhem, and Christmas horror movies. <laughs> I did that in a Halloween episode too, and it still sounds stupid. Okay, these are in no particular order. So do not ask me to tell you my favorite because in my eyes, each and every one of these Christmas horror movies is a favorite for one reason or another. One of the first true Christmas horror movies I can remember is Silent Night, Deadly Night. It isn't the oldest in the bunch that I watch, but it is the first Christmas horror movie I saw. Deadly Night. 
this gem was released in 1984 and it is a complete bag of shit. And that's why I love it. It's so 80s and it's classically bad 80s. So it's got a little bit of a cult following, but not in the way really good movies that just didn't make it in the box office get a cult following. For example, a movie like Big Trouble in Little China, which I am constantly praising with the Epic Film Guys and the Countdown Podcast Guys, because that's a great fucking movie. Silent Night, Deadly Night is not a great movie, but that, for me, is what makes it great. So the movie starts out in 1974 with an eight-year-old little boy named Billy, and Billy and his parents and his baby brother Ricky are on the way to visit a creepy old grandpa who lives in a nursing home. Grandpa can't talk until mom and dad take a walk with the nursing home director, and they leave Billy under the watchful eye of the crazy old mute grandfather. And suddenly, as if by magic, grandpa finds his voice again, and he begins to terrorize Billy, telling him that Christmas Eve is the worst night of the year if you're naughty. You're scared, ain't you? You should be. Christmas Eve is the scariest damn night of the year. You know what happens Christmas Eve, don't you? You know all about Santa Claus. He brings presents to all good boys and girls. <laughs> Your daddy told you that, didn't he? Santa Claus only brings presents to them that's been good all year. To the ones that ain't done nothing naughty. All the naughty ones, he punishes. You see Santa Claus tonight, you better run, boy. You better run for your life. This grandpa would scare the shit out of anyone, especially an eight-year-old little boy. So while Billy and his family are at a nursing home, this guy in a Santa suit is robbing a convenience store and kills the cashier for 31 bucks. Like seriously, what's that gonna buy you? Even in 1974, that isn't much. So who do Billy and his family encounter on their way home? The psycho Santa and his car is stuck in a ditch. And the kid who plays Billy starts screaming, don't stop, keep driving, keep driving. But mom and dad are like, we can't leave Santa stuck in a ditch. So they pull over, Santa comes up to the car. Hey folks, thanks for stopping and puts a bullet in Billy's dad. The mom is screaming. She tells Billy to run, which he does. He hides in the woods alongside the highway, which is so funny because He's totally visible, but for some reason, Psycho Santa can't see him. So Billy's hiding in the woods, watching while Santa attacks and sexually assaults Billy's mom. Fast forward a couple of years, Billy and his little brother are in an orphanage, and Billy is drawing pictures of Santa with guns and knives and getting beat by a mother superior for being naughty and then losing his shit because he's forced to sit on Santa's lap for the annual Christmas visit. Ten years go by, and now Billy is 18, and one of the nice nuns at the orphanage helps him get a job at a local store. He's stocking shelves. He's managing inventory. Billy is a strapping young man. Cue the cheesy 80s montage. Scenes of Billy hoisting heavy crates, drinking milk, helping a little girl find a coloring book, all under the watchful yet smiling eye of his boss. So when does this become a horror movie? Well, it becomes a horror movie when Billy's boss needs him to dress as Santa at the store. Really, not a good idea. It's Christmas Eve, everyone at the store is tanked, except for Billy, because he drinks milk. And he sees two co-workers hooking up, which reminds him of watching his mom get assaulted by Santa, and he snaps. He spends the rest of the movie wearing a Santa suit, carving up his hometown, all the while calling people naughty over and over again, like his grandfather and the mother superior, who, by the way, is his primary target by the end of the movie. 
So the movie leaves it open for a sequel, and indeed there is a sequel, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, which I've only seen once in my lifetime because it was so bad. I can forgive the first one for being bad because it's cheesy with horrible music and bad acting, but it feels like they were trying to make a decent movie, or at least they had good intentions. But the second one is just worthless. If you watch Silent Night, Deadly Night, do not go into it expecting much, but it is one of my Christmas traditions that harkens back to my teenage years. Now we're going to go back in time a little bit to a movie that was actually made in 1974, Black Christmas. A high school girl's been murdered. Mr. Harrison's daughter is missing. And now at the house where she lives, the other girls are getting obscene phone calls. Yeah, what I've done is I've tapped this phone so that when it rings, it'll ring at the station house, too. There was a little girl murdered over in the park tonight. Yes, I heard. Your phone's ringing. Hello? You may have seen on Twitter this week, I was frantically trying to find this movie. I do own it, but I own it on VHS. And yes, I still have a VHS player. It's a combo DVD VHS machine. And it was so friggin' expensive when we bought it because it was when DVD players first came out. And I've never gotten rid of it because I have some movies on VHS that I can't find on DVD. But of course, Christmas Eve, when I wanna watch Black Christmas, I can't find my Black Christmas VHS anywhere. I had to subscribe to Shudder so that I could watch it online. I am not going to talk about the 2006 remake other than to say it is a complete bag of shit. It's total Hollywood gore. Let's throw as much fake blood as we can on the screen and see if it scares the kitties. The only redeeming thing about the remake is that Andrea Martin plays the house mother. And if you've seen Black Christmas, you know Andrea Martin was in the original. She played Phil. And she was beautiful with her curly hair and her little John Lennon glasses. Everyone is beautiful in the 1974 original film. Margot Kidder, who was one of my favorite actresses in the 70s, plays drunk, mouthy Barb. There's Olivia Hussey, who plays Jess with her exotic foreign accent. So the movie opens panning across a sorority house. It's the home of the Kappas, and there's snow-covered lawns, Christmas lights, and a mouth breather. That's right, it's first-person perspective camera angle. We are seeing this holiday tableau through the eyes of whom we can only assume is a killer, although he hasn't killed anyone yet. When I say mouth breather, this guy sounds like one of my pugs. What does the mouth breather find outside of the sorority house? He finds a trellis that goes all the way up the outside of this enormous mansion. He avails himself of the trellis and makes himself a home for a bit in the attic. But with all these beautiful co-eds around the house, he doesn't hide out for long. While this creep who we have yet to see is hiding out upstairs, the young women are winding down a Christmas party until the phone rings. And Jess, who's played by Olivia Hussey, picks up the phone and apparently it's a frequent caller. Hello? 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 Hey, quiet! It's him again! The Mona! She just called this guy the Moaner. I wouldn't call him a Moaner. I would say it sounds like he's coughing up a lung while jerking off. All kidding aside, the phone calls in this movie are terrifying. 
They sound like something out of The Exorcist with horrific voices talking simultaneously in what sounds like different language and screams, and some of them are so profane, which I get sounds funny or hypocritical coming from me, but it's almost impossible to listen to these calls. One of the things that shocked me so much about Black Christmas was after the first girl is murdered that first night, it's the next day. It's sunny. It's beautiful. Everyone else is still alive. They start searching for their missing friend, not realizing she's been murdered. And that was sort of shocking to me because usually in these slasher films, the action of the killer takes place in the course of one night. The thing about Black Christmas is that it's a decent movie. It's actually better than decent. It's a really well-done horror movie for the time that it was done in 1974. Everyone in this movie is a good actor. Well, almost everyone. Sergeant Ash in the police precinct is a dickhead. But besides him, everyone is really talented. And so slasher movie or not, the actors are all quite good. And, and they obviously take their roles really seriously. And that's one of the things I love about this movie, that it is an actual movie. Besides the premise of murders around Christmas, this movie also deals with social issues like relationships and unwanted pregnancy and alcoholism and drama within a family. So it's not your typical sorority girl slasher flick. It's a really thoughtful horror film that just happens to be set around Christmas. And I think part of the reason it's such a great movie is because it was directed by Bob Clark, who also directed A Christmas Story and directed Porky's, one of the coolest, funniest coming-of-age movies of the 80s. And again, it's a little profane and raunchy, and Black Christmas is profane and raunchy. I mean, there's scenes where Margot Kidder, most of her scenes are completely drunk, and at one point, they're at a Christmas fundraiser on campus, and she's trying to give a little kid champagne. I mean, you would never see something like that in a movie today. I don't want to give away what happens because the end of this movie is also rather terrifying. You think the movie is settled, but it isn't. And I cannot stress upon you enough how good Black Christmas is. And I also want to mention that the 1976 film When a Stranger Calls, they totally stole the whole premise for that from Black Christmas. So go as fast as you can, sign up for Shudder, watch Black Christmas, and let me know what you think of it. One of my more recent favorite Christmas films is Krampus. It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle bells. Merry Christmas! Looks like Martha Stewart threw up in here. This is delicious, honey. A little dry. Well, mine's delicious. Mine's dry. Do you want to trade? It's, the it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. How are we going to survive Christmas with 12 people stuck in a house with no heat and no electricity? Or food. There's plenty of leftovers, Howard. Here it is. It's the weirdest thing. There's no cars, no people. How long can this keep up? We heard something on the roof. 
hell's this? Saint Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit. Those are hooves. Elk? Or goat? What kind of goat walks on its hind legs? His name is Krampus. So the center of this movie is a little boy named Max, and Max just wants the perfect Christmas that he and his family used to have, where everybody gets along. And unfortunately, it couldn't go more wrong if he intended it that way. Horrible family relations show up, and it's so reminiscent of Vacation and Christmas Vacation. Like when you think about Aunt Edna from Vacation and Cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation, you've got Tony Collette's sister showing up with her horrible children, Max's horrible cousins. You've got a mean, ratchet aunt showing up. Everybody's bitching. Everybody's complaining. And the horrible cousins steal the letter that Max wrote to Santa, and they read it at the dinner table. It's probably one of the saddest moments I can think of in a Christmas movie because this kid's letter to Santa wasn't looking for gifts. It talked about, please put my family back the way they were. Please let mom and dad stop fighting. Please let my sister know I really love her even though we fight. And so he gets so upset. He takes the letter, he runs upstairs, and just when he's about to seal the envelope and send it to Santa, he has a change of heart and he tears the letter to shreds and throws them out the window where the pieces are immediately swept up into the wind in this like whirling vortex and the music changes and it gets louder and scarier and you know that this kid has just ripped open the fabric of the universe. Immediately after that, this huge blizzard comes out of nowhere, like monstrous amounts of snow. It takes out power to the entire town and it seems as if everyone in the town has vanished. Throughout the rest of the movie, different members of the family go out into the blizzard searching for one another. Some disappear, some make it home. The entire time the grandmother, who doesn't speak much English, is sitting back watching, observing everything that's happening, observing everything that everybody does and says. The only thing she tells everyone is to not let the fire in the house burn down. Everyone in the house falls asleep and they're all sleeping in the living room because there's no power, there's no heat in the house, they're terrified of what's going on outside, and the only warmth is from the fireplace. And of course, while they're all sleeping, the fire dies down. And as the fire starts to dim, a rusty old hook on a chain slowly drops down the chimney and there's a big fat gingerbread cookie stuffed on it. And it comes to life and it has sharp, crazy teeth. And like, this is the kind of shit that happens throughout the whole movie. Toys attack out of giant Santa bags. Toys attack in the attic. Finally, grandma opens up and tells her own Christmas tale of something that looks like it came out of Coraline. I knew San Nicolas was not coming this year. Instead, it was a much darker, more ancient spirit. The shadow of St. Nicholas. It was Krampus. And as he had for thousands of years, Krampus came not to reward, but to punish, not to give, but to take. And his helpers. 
after Grandma tells her tale, there's noises coming from the attic, and there's an epic battle between toys and disfigured creepy elves and terrifying clown jack-in-the-boxes with enormous teeth and people being bound with Christmas lights and guns and robots. So what are we dealing with? What you see up there? You don't want to know, sweetheart. Honey, I just got my ass kicked by a bunch of Christmas cookies, so trust me when I say I can take it. You think that this is it. You think that everybody's done. And then all of a sudden, all these creatures flee the house. And it gets quiet, which can only mean one thing. Krampus is coming. So the family decides to make a break for it, and Grandma stands back. She stays back at the house to fight off Krampus. The one thing that sucks about this movie is Krampus himself. Every time you see him, you see him from a peripheral shot. You see him from the back, or you see him from the side, and it's this huge, dark red cloak and hooves for feet, and long, clawed fingertips, and you think he's going to be terrifying. And then, when you finally get a shot of him, the makeup sucks! Like, I love this movie, and I love that Tony Collette is in it, and everybody that's in it is really funny. I know it's not supposed to be funny because it's a horror movie, but I still think everybody in it is hysterical. But the makeup for Krampus is horrible, and... The elves are phenomenal, and the way the toys come to life is just so animating. And the Krampus makeup, it just sucks. It just looks like he's wearing a giant mouth, and the mouth is perpetually open, and it's pulled in one direction, and it's not at all good makeup. It just really isn't. But that is not a reason to not watch Krampus. Um, another movie with an unexpected ending, and I love that. I love when I'm sitting there, and I feel like I know exactly what's going on, and then all of a sudden the movie hits me upside the head and says, guess what, bitch, you don't know what's going on at all. Take a look at this. The next movie I want to talk about is one that I am sure most of you are very familiar with, although not everyone considers it a horror movie. It's absolutely a Christmas movie, but to me, Gremlins is a Christmas horror movie. The first thing that I think about Gremlins is that it came out in 1984, the same time that Silent Night, Deadly Night came out. And one, although I enjoy it, was a complete bag of shit. And the other, Gremlins, which I absolutely love, is a fantastic film. So clearly in 84, we had the capability to make decent Christmas horror movies. All right, so we all know the story of Gremlins. Randall Peltzer, crazy inventor, traveling salesman, trying to sell all of these gadgets that he creates is on the hunt for a unique and special gift for his son, Billy. And he finds something in a store in Chinatown that is a cross between a puppy and a squirrel and a monkey and a chipmunk. I don't know what the fuck a mogwai is, but it's the cutest thing ever. And in the 80s, I had so many gizmo tchotchkes. I had gizmo stuffies. I had gizmo keychains. I had gizmo clothes. To this day, I still even have gizmo figurines because, like, I just cannot take how cute he is. No, no. What happened? He hates bright lights. You know, there's some things I forgot to tell you guys, and they're really important. Number one, he hates bright lights. We know that. But you've got to keep him out of the sunlight. Sunlight will kill him. Number two, keep him away from water. Don't give him any water to drink. And whatever you do, don't give him a bath. And probably the most important thing, don't ever feed him after midnight. The care and keeping of a mogwai is some pretty simple shit. But for the Peltzer family, it's way too difficult. So we know what happens. We know the gizmo 
gets wet, and four little pom-poms fly off his body and create four more mogwais. And as sweet and lovable and kind as Gizmo is when he plays the piano and wears his little Santa hat, these four are twisted little fuckers. And of course they raid the food after midnight, and then they turn into these disgusting gelatinous cocoons, and out pops these green reptilian creatures. And the one spike with the mohawk is like the best. What scared me the most in Gremlins is when the Peltzer's dog was strung up in Christmas lights, hanging from the front porch. He wasn't dead, thank God, but that is the scene that scared me the most. That was psychotic. Like, that was the work of a seriously twisted, disturbed mind. Yeah, it was the mind of a made-up creature, but still, it was twisted and it was disturbed. The other creepy scene, and I know you guys are going to guess what this one is, is when Phoebe Kate's character, Kate Berenger, is telling the story of why she hates Christmas. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire, and that's when I noticed the smell. Firemen came, broke through the chimney top, and me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird, and instead they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve. His arms loaded with presents. He was gonna surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck. Died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. That's gotta be one of the worst stories about a child's Christmas ever in the history of every Christmas movie ever made. Of course, by the end of the movie, you know that Billy saves the day and he gets rid of all the disgusting, nasty gremlins. But for me, this is like a sweet, fun Christmas horror movie, but it's still a Christmas horror movie. And I used to have the biggest crush on Zach Galligan, who plays Billy Peltzer. Um, I kind of still do because when I look at him now, he looks the same to me. I think he's adorable. And some of you may or may not know, but comedian Howie Mandel was the voice of Gizmo. So there you go. One of my other favorite Christmas horror movies. The last Christmas horror movie I want to talk to you about is one I only saw a few months ago on cable. I actually didn't even realize it came out last year. And it's called A Christmas Horror Story. Welcome to the twisted town of Bailey Downs. So the movie starts with what looks like a battle-hardened Santa with a giant gash on his face hanging out in the stables where the reindeer are supposed to be, and he's got an axe, and he is ready to fight some unseen nefarious force on the outside of the stable door trying to break in. This movie is four different vignettes, which in a way reminds me a little bit of Tales from the Crypt, but unlike Tales from the Crypt, each of these four stories are connected. One story is a found footage sort of tale about a murder that took place a year before on Christmas Eve at a fancy prep school. Christmas, usually a time of joy and celebration, but for St. Joseph's Academy, a time of mourning. Exactly one year ago, last Christmas Eve, the school was the scene of an unimaginable crime when two of its students, Connor and Jenna, seen here, were found murdered in cold blood. With the killer still at large, the atmosphere here in Billy Downs is truly grim this holiday season. I'm Molly Simon, and this 
is horror in the hallways. Three friends have found police footage from the night of the murder, but they want to get their own footage for a documentary they're making. Now, the father of one of their friends, it's actually the camera guy's girlfriend, runs the school and she snags the keys from the school for the rest of her friends to get in so they can film while the school is closed over Christmas break. But she can't join them because she's got to go on a family trip, which connects to our second story. We have a mom, dad, the beautiful teenage daughter, and a bratty, annoying preteen little brother on their way to visit a rich old aunt to ask for money. As this family is dashing through the snow, they pass by a pickup truck parked on the side of the road. Who gets out of the pickup truck? But the cop that we saw in the found footage from the murder scene at the prep school the year before, after which he took a leave of absence because apparently what he saw at the murder scene messed him up so bad. What is he up to parked along the woods? Well, his wife and son are with him to pick out a Christmas tree, but they are not at a Christmas tree farm. Oh no, they are going au naturel and cutting one down out in the woods. And tying each of these stories together as a little segue between the advancement of the action is William Shatner as the radio DJ in the town of Bailey Downs. And he is hilarious. He is absolutely perfect for this role. Okay, so what happens in the abandoned school? It's not abandoned. The principal is on site. So the kids use the stolen keys to hide and they wind up in a restricted section of the building. There's no lights, there's no Christmas decorations, and eventually they realize they're in the spot where the murders occurred. They're filming in the exact space where one student was crucified and another was hanged. To their shock, messages written in blood by the murderer from last year are still on the walls. And meanwhile, at the old rich auntie's house, the dad is making a plea for cash. The mom is insulting the decor. The beautiful teen who is stuck here instead of filming in the school with her friends is sulking. And the annoying little brother is playing with an old statue of Krampus. And he intentionally pushes it onto the floor where it breaks. Four hours in the car and the old bat doesn't even offer me a drink. I'll help myself, thank you. Look at this place. It's like Paul Bunyan and Count Dracula gayed up and built a dream home. That is not a toy. Oh, hi there. We're the I know bat. who you are. Okay. This is Krampus, right? What's a Krampus? He's like an anti-Santa Claus. A demon who punishes the naughty. He whips them, chains them up, throws them in a sack, stuff like that. On Krampus knocked, the demon hunts the wicked from sunset to sunrise. That's fun. That, my friends, is a very bad omen. The auntie sees this and she gives her nephew and his family the boot. You gots to go. And of course, they run adrift in the snow on the way home at night, trying not to hit a strange white beast that sprints past their car. Jump back to Santa and he doesn't have the giant gash on his face. He's at the workshop. His suit is being let out again. All of the elves are snacking on cookies, except for one little elf named Shiny. Yeah, Shiny just attempted to chop off his own hand and he splatters blood on his fellow elves and dies. Or does he? Have you ever seen an undead elf? Or an army of undead elves? What's going on? It's the elves. I fear they may all become infected. Infected? What do you mean? Others are sick? It's worse than that. What happened? Shiny's body is gone. It was laid to rest, but now it may already be too late. But this doesn't make any sense. Elves becoming the walking dead? 
No, it does not make any sense. Back in the forest, where the cop and his wife and his little boy have found a beautiful Christmas tree, they're dragging it back to their truck that's still parked on the side of the road, and they don't realize their son has disappeared. Note to self, do not purloin a tree from the forest or enter what looks like a fairy den in the hollow of a big gnarled tree. That trip to the forest changes their little boy Will in unimaginable ways. These four stories continue to intersect and wind and unwind and go off on their own and then come back together. Each one of them is such a great standalone story. But together in the movie, the way that they all blend one into the other is just so cool. And this is another movie that the end totally shocked me. Like I'm sitting there with my mouth agape, paused the movie like, what the fuck did I just see? Wait a minute. I don't think I understood what just happened. I rewound. I watched it again. And then I jumped up off the couch and I was like, that is the most badass ending ever. And I'm sorry if I just got really loud, but I'm getting excited talking about this. So Christmas Horror Story, absolutely high up there on my list. New tradition. We'll be watching it every year, probably watching it more than just at Christmas. For me, the Christmas Horror Story is almost like a holiday version of Freddy versus Jason or Alien versus Predator. Like, it's just, it's badass. And unlike Krampus in the movie Krampus, the Krampus in a Christmas Horror Story is phenomenal. The makeup, the design, it is so on point. So kudos to the special effects team. You guys know I love special effects makeup. I don't know how many of you tuned into this one. It wasn't true crime. It wasn't haunted history. It wasn't Philly legends. It wasn't cooler, creepy places to visit. But it was all about creepy movies that I love to watch around the holidays. If you haven't seen these films, I highly encourage you to check them out. Most especially would be Black Christmas or Christmas Horror Story, or actually both, because I think they both demonstrate really some of the best in the genre, and Christmas horror is not a big genre, and there's not a lot of good Christmas horror movies. Yeah, I watch The Santa Claus and Christmas Vacation and Miracle on 34th Street. I love all that stuff too but not as much as I love watching Christmas horror movies. And I wanna give you a warning again. If you do watch Black Christmas, like no joke, it is a seriously good 1970s horror movie and it scares the piss out of me every time I watch it. Well, this is the last episode of 2016. I will be taking a short break the beginning of January as I get back into the swing of being back at work, kid being back at school, adjusting to a new year. I have so many cool episodes coming up the first quarter of 2017. I cannot wait for you to hear them. I'm also really blessed. I've been invited by three other podcasts to co-host with them in the new year. Super excited for that. We're going to have an interview coming up sometime before the end of Q1. I'm not going to tell you who that's with because that's going to be a surprise. But there are so many great things in store for 2017. I hope you guys have had a great 2016. And I feel like an asshole saying that because a lot about 2016 sucked. I feel like David Bowie was holding the fabric of the universe together. And when he passed, a lot of things went to shit. This weekend in particular, learning that Carrie Fisher is struggling from a severe health issue, 
really broke my heart because this little girl was seven when Star Wars came out and Carrie Fisher was a princess with a gun who showed me that girls could be badass and that girls could be tough and that girls could be sarcastic and that girls could be smart and that girls could be fierce. As cool as Disney is, and trust me when I say I'm a Disney fan, Disney didn't do much of that for me. But Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia did. And she's so much more than Princess Leia. I mean, we all know that. She's an author. She's an advocate. She's an actress. She's a brilliant comedian. Before this year comes to a close, I ask that any of you who are so inclined to please send your good thoughts and vibes out to Carrie Fisher and may the force be with her. I am looking forward to talking to you again in 2017. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.